Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team. Just want to welcome you in any of our six locations, one church, multiple locations, multiple languages, and also want to welcome you if you're watching us online. And what a great celebration that we can have for all of our graduates all across of our, our campuses. And hey, if you're watching in, in the chat, why don't you type in the year you graduated from high school and we'll give you a, a shout out. But thanks for watching. And again, congratulations to all our graduates. And, and let me just just say also, I just want to thank all of our RB uh, student ministry, RBSM bridge builders, link bridge builders who have invested in uh, these seniors and be become part of their story. I just want to thank them for serving, thank them for uh, <clears throat> being a part of just investing in the next generation. All right, we got some work to do today as we get into uh, the next part of our series, Promise Keeper. We've said God's a promise maker. And God is a promise keeper, which gives us the reasons to trust him and to pursue him along the path laid out by his promises. And today we're going to talk about something we all do, we all have done, and probably we all will do unless we receive some grace from God to help us with this, and that is worry. In fact, even when I throw it up there, you know, it kind of gets quiet in our space because all of us carry this to some degree. Some of us, you know, may say, hey, Matt, I'm a big time warrior. Some of us are a little more, you know, live and let live and don't take too many things too seriously. But at the end of the day, all of us would say this, I have worried. And hey, Matt, if I'm being honest, I have reason to worry. I have reason to worry. And so because of that dynamic and because we live in, in a broken world, in a fallen world, hello COVID, hello all the things that 2020 had in it, and then we're still in the, in the wake and in the shrapnel of all of that. So, so most of us would say that, hey, in a, in a fallen or a broken and a challenging world, worry seems acceptable, understandable, and excusable. In, in fact, a lot of us just live with it. And we say, hey, I'm just a worrier. We live with it. And we just say, hey, I just sort of am anxious or fearful. And I may not be about what you are, but I am about this area. And it's just part of our existence. And we accept it. We, we think it's understandable. It's normal. It's supposed to be that way. And it's excusable until you bump into the words of Jesus who says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, <laughs> This reminds me like when I was in college. And, uh, and you go to the math class and, you know, my teacher would always say, hey, tonight you're going to do the even problems and tomorrow night you're going to do the odd problems. And she would always make some, you go up on the board and work out a problem. And I would always be able to do like half of them and half of them I was clueless and would need to go to class to have to understand what I was missing. And she would always call me up to the board and say, hey, Mr. Evans, why don't you go do number three? And when I got a blank sheet of paper on number three and she, you know, I'm sitting up at the board like, hey, do number three. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how to do number three. And when we read don't worry, I don't know how not to worry. So when you, you read that, you're sort of like, I mean, Jesus is kind of insensitive, but let's stay with him because he did rise from the dead. He wants what's best for, um, for us. So he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body and what you will wear. So we got a statement that says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about these things. And so first we just need to see that worry is just kind of a focus of concern that becomes like an emotion of anxiety 
about over problems perceived or actual and uncertainties. So, so worry is like an, a focus of concern that morphs into a, an emotion of anxiety over uncertainty or over problems or over challenges. And so he says, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry about your life. So, and then he makes this statement, what you're going to eat, drink, or about what your body, about what you wear. He makes this statement. Look, he's like, look, you're worried about your life, but you don't need to worry about your life. But we're like, hey, but God, my life depends on this stuff. My life depends. My life is this stuff. And then he gives a question, and the question is about what really is life then? Because he says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. So the things that we tend to define as life and what makes life good or bad or pleasant or otherwise and all of this stuff he's referring to are standard of living stuff and survival stuff and status stuff and the stuff that we just get concerned about. He said, but isn't life more than that? So what he's going for here in this statement, this question, and this understanding of worry is really an understanding of what it means to be you and me. And so we got a guy here, and really there's this great temptation that you and I have. And the temptation is that the existence of our life is just about getting our needs slash wants met or our concerns alleviated. And that we live at this level. We live at the level of, are my needs met? And, and we know there's some gray and confusion that goes on inside of us about what's a need and what's a want, right? And, and are my concerns alleviated? And this is life. And as long as, you know, this is trending in the right direction, this is trending in the right direction, we're not worried. But as soon as a, a need looks shaky or a want looks like maybe not happen, I may not get what I want when I want it, the way I want it, we have worry that goes up. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, hey, don't worry, but he's also redefining life and helping us to get another, another view of life. So the principle that I would state about what Jesus is teaching is, hey, listen, our life is supposed to be about more than meeting needs, meeting my needs, actual needs, felt needs, and or perceived needs. That there's this temptation that you and I have to sort of shrink our life down just to the level of, of needs and wants and status and bare necessity stuff and what people think of as stuff and what about this stuff and what about that stuff. And Jesus said, isn't life more than those things? Let me say it negatively. The great temptation and the great worry, worry producer is that we compress the size and scope of our living down to the concerns of my life. So how are you living today? And we've got four or five things, needs and wants, that we're concerned about or that we're okay with, and that's the scope of our existence. So we run down our four or five things, money, social media, bank account, job, family, girlfriend or boyfriend. And, and, and as long as those things are all trending, then we're not worried. One of them gets uncertain, gets, gets shaky, then we're worried. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, the temptation is to shrink your life down to something less than it actually is. Now, here's the problem with just living at the need, want, concerns level. 
The first one is this. We will never be able to fully control the needs and the concerns dynamic. Now, now what we mean by that is if I say I need people to like me or like me on social media, then I can never fully control another human being. If I say I, I need my kids to do this, I can never, as a parent, you know this, you can never fully control your kids. If we, I need the stock market to cooperate. We, we've been reminded for the last, what, 10, 12, 15, 18 months with, with, with a disease, with a, with a recession, with turmoil in our nation, we've been reminded that, hey, we can't fully control control how the world turns, how the world operates. We can't fully control this needs dynamic. So the more we try to control it, the more anxious we become about it. And that's like hard kind of for us to wrestle with and hard for us to kind of figure it out. But, I'll, but if we just embrace, hey, you're never fully going to be able to control the things you think you have to control in order to be happy or to be at peace. You're never going to be able to do that. So, you, so if you shrink your life down to just needs and wants and concerns, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be anxious. You're going to have worry. Another reason why this is like a different, a, a, a weird approach or an approach that doesn't really work is the more my needs are my chief concern, the more things I think I need. Say that again. The more my needs are my chief concern, my needs, my wants, the more things that I think I actually need, the more things I think I actually need. So the more I focus on my needs, the more needy I become. And then the, the temptation becomes you begin to christen your desires and your wants as your needs. I mean, think of, think of it this way. Think of it this way. 21st century America, right? Do we, I mean, we say, hey, I need a car. I need a cell phone. I need this. I need that. And as soon as you add one of those things, well, there's another need behind it. I need a car, which means I need gas, which means I need, ins and I need insurance, Right? And then I, I need to make a car payment. And so the needs just start to grow. Well, I need to have a cell phone. And then I need to have service. And then I need to have an app. And then I need to have a charger because my battery dies. And all these needs start to grow. And, and think about it. I mean, how, how much worry just pops up in you when you can't find your cell phone? Right? I mean, just see that the more we say that things are needs, the more worry comes as a result of that kind of living and a result of that kind of posture. Now, while we can see Jesus' command, do not worry, as sort of kind of out of touch or insensitive, I want to make sure that you hear the heart and the love that God has for you when he says that. So when he says, don't worry, isn't your life more than, bigger than, more substantive than just the need, wants, and concerns level? He is saying to you, hey, there's another way to live, a better way to live, a bigger way to live. And he, as our creator and as our redeemer and as our king, knows us best and wants what's best for us. Th th think about it as a parent. 
Remember like when, when your kids had this toy or, you know, like their favorite toy or maybe they had like this comforter thing like a doll or a, a blanket or something and, and that toy got broken or got lost or got damaged or got taken or, you know, you left it at the restaurant or, you know, you, you backed up over it in your car, whatever, and your kids go crazy, right? Because they think they need that toy to be them or they need that toy to be happy and they freak out and they go ballistic. But you as their parent know their life is bigger than that toy. And you know there's going to come a day where they're going to have an aha moment. They're going to realize or they're going to outgrow it or realize there's better things to be, contained, to be consumed with or to pursue. Your heavenly father, our heavenly father, he's the same way. And so when Jesus gives this famous sermon on the mountain, this section, it's like he's looking out at all of us. And he's saying, listen, 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 listen. I, I know you got to have a job. And, and I know you need food. And, and, I, and I know you need some relationships. I know you need this, but listen, 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 listen. He said, your life, and I've designed it and I've died for it, is more than those things. It's more than those things. But because God's so good, the rest of this sermon is just going to help us obey the command not to worry. So here's what he does. He's going to give us a couple of things to think about. Because remember, we said... Worry is an emotion, right? And it's hard to change emotion. But the way you change emotion is through presenting truth to that emotion, right? The way you change a, an emotion you're not supposed to have is to present truth to that emotion, right? When your kids believe in the boogeyman that's hiding under the bed, what do you do? You show them under the bed with a flashlight, right? You present truth to that emotion. So, so here's what God does. He says, okay. Consider the birds of the sky. All right, let, let, let's forget about your stuff right now. Let's just look at nature. Let's look at creation. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. You know, they're, they're not worried about that. They, they don't function like that. Yet your heavenly Father needs them. And it's significant, and I'll come back to this, but I just want you to remember this. He doesn't talk about the man upstairs. He doesn't say creator. He says God is Father. Just hold that thought. He says, look, so the creator is taking care of the birds. The birds aren't focused on barns and storage and all this kind of stuff because your heavenly father feeds them. And he goes, aren't you worth more than they? And here's this more than. Your life is more than eating and survival and status because your heavenly father loves you and has deemed you more valuable than the birds of the sky that he takes care of. Then he asks a question. He goes, can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? And your doctor's telling you no. Your doctor's telling you you need to reduce your stress level. Your doctor's telling you you need to go exercise. Your doctor's telling you you need to rest. You need to get a vacation. And, and, and Jesus is like, hey, really? What good does worrying do? Okay, he says, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned or clothed or dressed like one of these. So rich, wise Solomon. Look at the flowers. Look at this. God's taking care of all of that stuff. And he says this. Okay, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then thrown in the furnace tomorrow... Won't he do much more for you? And then he says something that is kind of like the diagnosis. 
you of little faith. So we're out here saying, no, 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 God, I've got concerns, I've got needs, and I've got wants. And God's like, no, 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 let's look at your faith. No, 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 God, I, I, I believe in you. I, I believe in you. I, I, I got all that stuff. I'm a Christmas and Easter person. I, I got it. I got a Bible at home. I, but I got these concerns. No, 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 we're not going to talk about your concerns. I want to look, look at your faith. And like, What's faith got to do with it, God? Jesus continues. He repeats the command. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? And now he makes a contrast. And this contrast is so poignant and powerful in the Scripture. So he says, for the Gentiles, and when he uses this phrase, he's meaning the non, we, we might say the non-Christians, those who are not part of the forever family of God, those who are not part of the family of God. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, eagerly spend energy, eagerly focus on all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he's saying there should be a difference in what you and I are concerned about, in what you and I want, in what you and I seek, if, if, if God is our Father. There's a distinction between the energy and the focus and the expenditure and the concern, but someone outside of the family and the kingdom of God and those inside it. And he's like, you should be different than the rest of the world. You shouldn't worry and spend your time and energy on the things that the rest of the world does. Now, if God is not your father, yeah, you might have reason to worry. So let me summarize this with three questions. Just three questions that I think Jesus poses to us from his Sermon on the Mount. The first question is this. Have you considered creation? Have you considered creation? I know a lot of you, you like to go camping. <clears throat> you like to go for a hike. You like to be out on the lake or go to the beach or something. And, and, and there's, this, there's this field of theology called natural theology that creation tells us things about God. Creation shows us that God is, is highly intelligent. Creation shows us that God actually has created an order and, 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 a, and, a, and a means to sustain life, to sustain bio, our biology and our ecosystems. And that's, we see that in creation. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 says the reason there, there's, that everybody is, is guilty before a holy God is they haven't acknowledged God as creator God. So creation is preaching a sermon. And Jesus just takes that and says, look, Think about the flowers in the field and the birds of the air. What are they worried about? And the reason they're not worried about it is because of the way the creator has set things up to provide. And he says, listen, aren't you more valuable than that? Second question, does worry add value to your life? Does worry add time to your life? Your doctor might tell you it takes time from your life. But does it really add value to your life? And, 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 and we, we would all say, well, you know, the answer is probably, you know, I know, but, but, but Matt, it, 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 look, look at what I'm dealing with. Look what the world we live in. 
but does worry add value to their life? And then the third question, and really the big question is, okay, who is God to you? You see, if God is just creator, you might have some reasons to worry. If God is just God, man upstairs, higher power, intelligent designer, maybe, maybe you've got reason to worry. But if God has invited you and I to call him Father, and God has done all the necessary work, the legal work, the financial work, the work of justice. God has paid everything to adopt you and I into his family. So we don't call him God. We don't call him creator. We don't call him man upstairs. We call him father. And what do good fathers do? They provide. They take care of. And, 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 and then... We have to ask this question. Do we know what it cost God so we can call him father? Do we know, do we remember? Some of you here, you you may not be Christians yet. You may not not be able to call God father. But so I want to ask you, do you know? What it cost for God, for the creator, for the man upstairs to be able to invite you and I into his family. And when you see that, there's a logic there that says, hey, look, if God paid that price so you and I could call him father, then we really don't have anything to worry about. Which is exactly the logic Paul uses in Romans 8. He says, look, if God is for us, and he is, who can ever be against us? How do I know God's for me, Matt? A pandemic happened. How do I know God's for me, Matt? The world has got racism in it. How do I know God's for me, Matt? There's a recession. Gas prices are high. How do I know God's for me, Matt? Look at what's going on in our country. How do I know God's for me, Matt? Look what's going on in my family. Here's how we know God's for us. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So we look, we don't look at the pandemic. We don't look at the evening news headlines. We don't look inside our little bubbles to know is God for us or not. We look on a cross and we see on a cross, it should have been me, it should have been you. But instead of me and instead of you, it was the son of God. The son of the same God who says, I want to be your father. Won't he also give us everything else? So don't worry. God's your father. Don't worry. God's your father. Don't worry. God's your father. In fact, let me stop right now. If there's anybody listening and you're not able to call God your father, 
because you never received the gift of his son and made him your savior and your king and your Lord as best you know how, giving him the steering wheel of your life. What about right now? You can just say a little prayer in your heart. You can just, God, I want to call you Father. And you've paid the price for me to do that. You've taken my sin away. It's as best I know how. I give you my life. If that's you, would you share that with us on a, the back of a next step card or go online? And if you're watching online, there's some chat room. You can share. Somebody will join you. You can go to a digital next step card, whatever. Just let us know. And we'll help you move into the best life there is. Life with God as our Father. All right. So, <clears throat> once that, those questions have ruminated and we really think about them, there's some implications to the answers behind those questions. Okay? So, the first one is this. All right. If God is going to give us everything we need for everlasting joy and happiness. Is God is going to give us everything we need in order to do his will, in order to fulfill his plans for us, then that helps us with our whole want, needs, and concerns dynamic. Because we could say this now. If we don't have what we think we need right now, it is probably because we don't need it right now. Now, that's got to sit a little bit, right, on our American westernized 21st century lives, right? If we don't have what we think what we need right now, it is probably because we don't need it right now because won't our Father who paid the price with His Son so that we could call Him Father, isn't He going to give us everything we need to live inside the will of God and enjoy the presence of God? So if we don't have what we need right now, Probably don't need it right now, so don't worry about it right now. Again, this is just Jesus' implications of this Sermon on the Mount. Second implication. The difficulties of life in the fallen world are the occasion of our worry, but not the cause of our worry. Because remember, 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 these people were worried about money. That's uh, in the verses before we read. These people are worried about provision and status and survival and worried about, are they going to have this, this concern and that concern? And they're worried about it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The issue is not what's going on around you or, or what you have or don't have. The issue is you have, he calls them, you of little faith. So the cause of worry to Jesus is that you're not trusting your father if, in fact, he is your father. Because he said it, right? You of little faith. So as I'm thinking this through in preparation this week for this sermon, I also realized this. Because Jesus goes right to the cause of the worry, which is faith issues, I realize this. Everything I worry about, the father has said something about. Everything I worry about, the Father has already said something about, and it's just in my court, and it's just up to me, will I trust him and what he said about it? Will I trust him and what he said about it? And then it looks like this, right? All those things that are, are pressing in to define my existence, my needs, my wants, my needs, my wants, 
I just replace those with trust. And what am I trusting? I'm trusting what the Father has said about it. Right? I, I'll let you in. My, my, my week, okay? My week. All right. Uh, I, I had to go, go do a couple of things, and I was going to... I was going to be in some situations uh, that were maybe potentially going to be tense, okay? Don't need to go into any more detail. And uh, potential for some difficult interactions or conversations or bump into's or whatever, right? And, uh, and, and I, was like, I was like a little bit uh, stressed out about it. I was like, what's going to happen on this day? On this, you know, I'm, I'm praying my calendar, right, because of this, right? Because of this event here and that event. I'm praying my calendar, right? And I, and, and I was like, God... I'm worried, and I'm going in to preach a sermon to the people of Rockbridge that says, don't worry. And, you know, and, and the same thing that you deal with, I'm like, God, but, but it's understandable, God, because what if this blows up? What if she says this to me, or I say that to her, or he says that to me, or I say that? I mean, all these things are going to mind. Isn't it okay for me to worry? And I was like, no, God, I need, a pro- I need to know. I need a promise from you. Because you've, you've said something about this. And I got two. I got two promises. Promise number one was this. Hey, Matt, I am with you wherever you go. I'm with you wherever you go. Same thing he said to Moses. Same thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. I'll be with you wherever you go. So my presence has to outweigh the potential for problems. That was the first thing. I'm with you wherever you go. And, and the second thing is, Matt, what I say about you has to count more than what anyone else thinks about you. Remember? Everything I worry about, the Father has already said something about. That's why worry is a faith issue, a trust issue. No, I need them to think this of me. I want them to approve. No. You're never going to be able to control, Matt, everybody's opinions of you. But you're my son. And I paid the price with the life of my son, my only begotten son. Go with what I say about you, not what they may or may not think about you. So I had to sort of repent and live this sermon before I preached this sermon. All right, now. This is where it gets really exciting, okay? Because I, 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 wanted, I want us to use our imaginations together here, okay? Think about all the energy, emotional, mental, relational, in prayer. Think about all the energy that we can expend on needs and wants. Needs, wants, concerns, 
And, and we know those lines are blurry. Think about all of that. And so think about, man, if I'm not spending as much time, as much energy, as much mental thought, focus, distraction, however you want to phrase it, if I'm not spending as much time thinking about needs, wants, and concerns because I'm trusting my Father and what He said about those things, now what's available is I have a lot more energy, focus, and attention, and priority to give to something else besides my worry because I'm going to trust God with this and with that. So where do we spend, put that energy? Where do we put that focus? Where do we put that attention? But seek first. Remember the Gentiles were seeking first the things of the world. But, but we're not Gentiles. We're calling God Father. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. All these things you worry about. Here's the promise, right? Promise maker, promise keeper. All these things will be provided for you. So just seek first the kingdom of God. And the king will take care of you. The father will take care of you. So we exchange our seeking to the kingdom of God. And it will diminish our worry. All the energy that used to be here on worry and on this and on that, and what about, and what if, and what am I going to do about We put it here on seeking the kingdom of God. So Christians are not supposed to be consumed with worry. Christians are supposed to be consumed with seeking first the kingdom of Jesus. Seeking first the kingdom of God. And, you know, this is one of our core values as a church we are kingdom seekers, the kingdom of God, which doesn't look like the kingdoms of this world. <laughs> it's not a political kingdom. It's not a military kingdom. It's the kingdom of Jesus where his will is done, where his love is displayed, where his justice prevails, where his son is praised. Now think about the vision of Rockbridge Community Church. You know, one mobilized church, multiple locations and languages. Making a kingdom impact to magnify Christ. What if we, just the people listening today, what if we just decided, you know what, I'm not going to seek first my own needs and wants because I have a father, a good, perfect father who put his son on the cross for me instead of me. I'm going to seek first his kingdom. See, 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 sometimes, you know, I think in churches when we talk about vision, people think, oh, we're going to start a program, right? We're, we're, we're programmers in, in, in the church in America. So, but, but, but I'm not talking about a program. I'm talking about a type of people, a type of people, a people committed to the kingdom of Jesus. And, and what that means is I'm going to be the kingdom where God places me and with whoever I encounter in those places. I'm going to be the kingdom because the king lives inside of me because the father put his spirit inside of me and sends me to be his witness, to be his representative, sends me to proclaim his justice, sends me to show his love, sends me to offer his compassion, sends me to be patient with the non-believers, sends me with a spirit of gentleness into a world of hostility. 
sends me with good news to a world in need of good news. And the greatest news possible is the greatest news that's available. That we have a Father in heaven who invites all of us to call a him Father. Because he's paid the price with the life of his Son. So that we can be adopted into his family. Become members of his kingdom. And live for his glory. So. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. Direct our steps, God. I pray right now just for supernatural illumination and clarity that every person here listening, every person here watching knows what they need to do right now. To the glory of of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.